Welcome back to the Craft Beer Marketing Awards, Marketing on Tap podcast. This is episode seven, and we are sponsored by the EGC Group. Your CBMA's co-founders and co-hosts, Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella. Hey. Today, we are very excited to have with us Rob Day. Happy to be here. Rob is the Senior Director of Marketing at Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers and Springdale Beer Company. And they're both located in Massachusetts. Welcome, Rob. Good to be here, Jim. Good to be here, Jackie. Happy to talk marketing with you all. Awesome. Uh, why don't you give us some background on Jack's Abbey and also uh, Springdale Beer Company and your role? Sure. I think uh, we have a pretty interesting setup that hopefully a lot of this audience will will care about because it's unique in craft beer. They're, this industry is young. It's growing fast. Jack's Abbey opened in 2011. So this is our, our 10-year anniversary and we feel like dinosaurs on that brand, which is insane to even think about at this point. But uh, opening up in 2011, you know, approaching just under 2,000 breweries in the country, we all know well over 8,500 at this point. So that, that pace of change has, has been wild and we've seen a lot in a very short amount of time. When Jack's Abbey opened, it was dedicated to the craft of lagers, lager only. And I know if you look around uh, our landscape today, that's not particularly wild of an idea. It's not even wild for some of the hazy hype breweries to offer an exceptional Pilsner now. This is becoming a lot more commonplace. But in 2011, lager you know, was the L word for big beer. That was flat out how it looked, how it felt. People thought uh, Jack, Sam, and Eric, the three brothers who founded the company, were crazy. Uh, Jack had spent some time in Germany. Uh, he attended professional brew school. He worked around the, the Boston beer scene for a while, and he just knew there was there was something missing in the lager space and that it, it could be a lot bigger and better than what people were being offered. So they took the position, if we're going to do this, we love loggers, we want to jump in, and that's that's all we're going to do. Uh, like I said, back then, pretty revolutionary. Now feels a little more common. What they brought to the table that I think helped uh, escalate the, the profile of the brand is a lot of the innovation that's happening on the ale side, they were able to do those cool things over on Jack's Abbey. Uh, a quick example being hoppy lagers. Uh, wasn't a category. In, in fact, our, our first award for Oponius Union was in the Bach category because they didn't know what to call it. Um, pretty wild, crazy. Yeah, wild difference from where we are today. There's hoppy lagers, IPLs coming out daily. They had no idea what to call it, so they put us in the Bach category. And we got a gold medal, which is phenomenal, but uh, helping to pioneer that style and bring something people were digging and loving over on the ale side to lagers was really our trademark. Uh, then Imperial Baltic Lagers with Framinghammer, doing some barrel aging projects that hadn't been done before. And of course, doing the Hellas and Pilsners and different styles of Pilsners that uh, people had sort of lost the diversity of long ago. That all leads to the reason we have Springdale as well and why I told a little bit longer of a story on that front. Uh, as brewers do, you get itchy to do new stuff. You get a bigger staff. Everyone wants to play around and, and do some cool new projects. And, you know, quite frankly, they, they made the right choice that it doesn't fit the Jack's Abbey Craft Lager's story to do a continuous sequence of experimental ales. It wasn't who they were. It wasn't who they wanted to be. 
Uh, they didn't want, you know, beers for everybody and every type of beer under one umbrella. They really wanted to spend their time on lagers and educating people and supporting that. So the only path forward to satisfy that curiosity and that experimentation was to launch a separate brand. The, the brothers have uh, some connection to Springdale, Connecticut, which is where the name ends up coming from. Uh, they had a family ice business actually delivering ice to liquor stores and grocery stores in the early days before that was super popular. So uh, they wanted to pay homage to that part of the family business and launch a second taproom, second brand uh, under the Springdale name. That was uh, late 2015 into 2016, and it, it lived multiple different lives over, over that period towards uh, you know, what we have this year. So that's my, my two and a half minute summary of, of our two brands here. Is Springdale um, like physically connected? Yeah, we, we have a really interesting space in Framingham, Mass. The building is an old Denison factory. So most people know Denison from merging with Avery Denison eventually and being a huge, huge office supplier. But they owned an entire industrial block of Framingham, power plant included. And we occupy one of those buildings. Uh, we originally moved into uh, about half of it, a little less than half, 70,000 square feet of it with Jack's Abbey in 2015. And then coming up on the end of that year, the other half of the building became available. So it's connected through basically a forklift tunnel, uh, no, no consumer path. There's two separate doors uh, for our customers, but uh, completely separate, but they are hooked up uh, basically for transporting of, of goods in between. And the two tap rooms operate completely independently when open. Springdale's not currently open the regulations in Massachusetts were prohibitive to keeping that space open. So mm. unfortunately we've had Springdale Barrel Room shut down since March of last year, but Jack's Abbey has continued to operate, you know, in various models, takeout only, big beer garden this summer. And, and now we're on takeout mode while we build the next beer garden. Oh, wow. So when you're thinking about the two brands, you know, they come to you, let's pretend they came to you with the idea and they're talking it through from a marketing perspective, how are you approaching that saying, you know, they're, they're two separate businesses, but under the same parent, you know, what does that look like? That's a, that's a good question because it's actually my, my first project joining the company was to rebrand Springdale and make it a more directed consumer brand. So joining uh, in late 2019, they'd realized in launching Springdale, they hadn't done some of the thoughtful activities a lot of us marketers go into and ask yourself, who is this for? Why are we doing this? What are our core values? What's, what's our mission under this brand? And why do we exist? They just knew they needed it, which is a lot of how craft beer works. And I think you guys doing this podcast have probably heard that. We didn't do any research. We didn't do this. We just knew we had to have it. Um, and that's that's fine. I think that's a great way to get started. But a couple of years into that experiment, they realized the message they wanted to put out wasn't uh, quite jiving. So my first project was rebranding Springdale to give it its own independent vibe and speak to the, the consumer it was meant to speak to. Luckily for me, they had naturally infused all of this great DNA into the brand Springdale had a personality. It had a different feel. And I'll give you a few examples. As you, as you come to Jack's Abbey and you visit, there's so many cues from German Beer Hall, at least in traditional times. Of course, things are going to look a little different when we reopen. But 
big communal beer tables, industrial lighting, big floor space, uh, wood, wood fired oven. Like you're sitting with strangers sharing a beer. Typically, well, that's not going to happen for a long time again, and it's kind of a bummer because that's that's part of the mission is having beer bring people together. Uh, but being able to share that kind of space and that big hall feeling that they were inspired by in Germany is a complete contrast to Springdale, where uh, as you enter Springdale, you can see immediately we have this cool spray graffiti of yeast characters on the wall called the Yeasty Boys. And uh, they, they kind of guide you up a steel staircase into something you consider a little more new age of a tap room with arcade games indoor cornhole, indoor skee-ball, a big barrel head bar, and then a couple hundred barrels resting beer for our barrel program. So a very, also a large kind of industrial space, but a completely different approach so that if you walked into each, they're clearly not for everybody. Of course, a craft beer geek like me, if I'm visiting Framingham, I'm going to both of them and uh, our neighbor exhibit A, I'm, I'm stopping at everybody. But when you think about that from the marketing side, you start to see some real distinct differences in the consumers that want to spend more of their time at Springdale versus the consumers who want to spend more of their time at Jack's Abbey. We started to put together, I don't like to play with age too much. I think people are uh, how they act, not, not a number on their age. So we try to focus more on psychographics and the type of people who interact. And we kept finding in Springdale, the consumer who wanted new stuff. They wanted excitement. They wanted two, three, four new beers every time they came. Uh, they'd come out twice a month. They're at other breweries. They're going out a couple times a week, uh, usually on the younger side, but not always. They also have, uh, you know, if they have a family, they're sort of just getting started in that realm. Typically uh, might be single, newly married, cohabitating, a lot of dog owners, uh, which unfortunately our physical space doesn't allow, but uh, that's that's a type of personality. And then you swing over to Jack's Abbey and you'll still have your core beer geeks like me there, but you're also going to have a lot of families. The, the community at large sees that as their space and has ownership of it. And everybody comes out and we're in a little more of a suburban neighborhood. So that changes the demographics really quickly. And we sort of made the joke that uh, Jack's Abbey is where Springdale goes to grow up. It's It's about that simple for us where uh, our audience, you know, they, they get off the hamster wheel of new beers, they fall back in love with great lagers, they want to sit at a table with their family and enjoy a good meal and, and some crisp beers on an afternoon. And that's really the type of vibe that that one sets. For me, it makes my job way easier. That lets me segment in my brain what type of people we're going to be talking to for each brand and then dissect uh, content activities, sponsorships, you know, whatever our marketing mix is for the year, knowing what each brand stands for helps us infinitely in making those choices and setting us up for success. That's amazing. I definitely ask listeners to check out jacksabbey.com as well as springdalebeer.com. And you'll see what Rob is talking about here. Uh, excellent job, Rob. I mean, what a challenge to uh, kickstart with. Uh, recreating Springdale's um, brand, and it looks beautiful. You could definitely see um, a shared DNA between uh, both brands. And um, I, you got you mentioned um, working with data and trying to make the right moves as we chart how craft beer consumers are constantly evolving. 
especially as a millennial group gets a little bit older and their patterns of drinking. So uh, really innovative to hear all that and definitely a very cool story. Um, Jack's Abbey recently signed a partnership with the Boston Celtics. Yep. How did that partnership come about? That's wild. That wild is an understatement. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm New England born and raised. I left for a while and came back, but I, you know, this is talk about dream work for a a marketing sports fan, you know, among us and your listeners, I'm sure if there's professional marketers on here, sports is kind of that, that holy grail uh, as you study marketing, Super Bowl, sports sponsorships, stadiums athletes uh right along with celebrities of other kinds and you you dream about it from your first ad classes when you see the big work and then you get in the real world and you're like okay that's pretty far away um (laughs) unless you jump into one of the big agencies from the get-go uh it it lives in this almost unreachable space with reverence and uh growing up here always would have loved to have done it never ever ever thought it would be possible on on the path i was on i mean craft beer is not signing these types of deals as we know uh, and just thinking of an opportunity like this felt far-fetched I mean the next largest brewery with one of these deals is Deschutes and they have a Portland Trailblazer deal but uh, Deschutes is still well over four and a thousand barrels they're they're ten times our size so uh, the concept of signing a big four sports deal just felt non-existent to us it, it wasn't going to happen don't worry about it But as I was joining the company, uh, the team at the Celtics, they were looking to add a craft beer partner. Uh, They were able to dissect their sponsorship deals and and open up some space there. And even when they first approached us, my my thought was, yeah, it's far-fetched. Let's chat with them, see what's going on. Love the Celtics, of course, but this isn't going to happen, but I'll take the meeting. And the more we talked to them, the more we found they were engaged in finding the right partner that fit their same values, had a shared fan base, brought something new uh, as opposed to the traditional big media spends because we don't have that and they knew it. Um, what what could they design for us is really how the conversation turned very quickly. And having worked on some other sports deals in the past, that's not usually how it goes. Um, so immediately I, I started to have that feeling like, wait, this this could actually happen. And uh, we worked on a few details. We were getting really close to signing something and, and feeling really good about the future. That was around March 10th. <laughs> Everybody knows what happened of last year, of course. Everyone knows oh, what happened. Wow, after, yeah. after I've got paper in my desk, like ready to go. We're feeling good about the details. And then kaboom, uh, NBA shuts down. <laughs> we're like, okay, guys, what are we talking about here? And they're like, we don't know yet. Let's hold on. Um, so just to add to like, we're, we're just about there. We've got this thing that makes sense. We're starting to figure out the details, feel really good about it. And then boom, it's all gone. Uh, luckily, the way we were fashioning it, I said they wanted us involved. We wanted to be involved with them. Our values were aligned. And, you know, we can't sign a big marketing expense deal anyway. This is very much about, you know, the integrity of the two partnerships more than anything. So, uh, as we got our feet under us and everybody looked at the world in late April, early May, things were still scary. Uh, it was really hard to make this call, but uh, we we believed in this 110%. We were starting to feel 
optimistic even back then. Things were about as crappy as they were going to get, in our opinion. And we saw light way at the end of the tunnel and said, we got to do this. This is this is the right move. Uh, having that uh, the collaboration beer is really, I think, what inspired it to go over the top. It's not common in a sports deal to do a collaboration beer, as I think you both are well aware. Um, so to get to that point and say, you know, this has legs no matter what. People are going to be at home watching the games. Uh, people want to you know, cheer on their team. The, our shared values are just too powerful to ignore. Let's, let's jump in and do this. We can give the fans something cool in a time where things are pretty crappy. Uh, and that's, that's really what got us to yes, to be honest. And we signed, went public with the deal in July, pretty mid-pandemic, uh, and got to work on the, the collaboration beer, which launched in January. It was really cool to work with a, a group like the Celtics and have them involved in the whole process. Uh, we did you know, five, six pilot batches that, no joke, I was loading up my Jeep with cases, driving to a Whole Foods parking lot and putting in their car so they could take it because we couldn't exchange in an office or a brewery or do anything normal. So it was a, a very strange year of taping it together, but feedback on the beer, the name, all those things, we, we got it done. Um, yeah, it was, so when you say wild, yet again, it it definitely was wild but it is did you guys do the home and the away um packaging yeah that was uh my designer anna worked on this project uh she's phenomenal and going into it we knew we needed that little something extra the elements we had from the celtics with the parquet were cool the name pride and parquet is perfect for this partnership uh we had the tones we had all this stuff going in and she had the the genius idea to mimic home and away jerseys and the colorways and the way we are producing is uh, basically truckload of home green and then truckload of away white so in the market it'll sort of fade in and out a little bit like a, a season schedule and mimic that feel uh you know i think other big brands have done some things like that but you know it was just something that we thought we could bring special to the packaging that people really haven't explored in craft beer. It's, it's so Boston and so Massachusetts, mm -hmm. so Celtics. Uh, you guys nailed it a hundred percent. Yeah, that's incredible. I want to go back to talking 2020 for a second. So kicking off 2020, Springdale uh, decided to do a complete rebrand. So what did that look like planning wise and was it impacted? Did you have to, the favorite word, pivot at all? Um, you know, tell us about that process. I'm going to leave the P word out of this, but I'll jump in on that one. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I think as marketers, we we have too many words that wear yes. us out so fast. So I yep. agree, the dreaded P word. Let's move. Let's try something else. Uh, I'll get my thesaurus up midway through. Um, so back, second wild ride in a row, that project, another huge, huge thing for a marketer getting to dig into a company that's willing to look at itself and create a brand and give you the resources and time to do it right and believe in what you're working in. Uh, that's exactly who this family is. They, they brought me in uh, arms wide open and brains wide open. And I can't ask for a better opportunity from my side, especially with, you know, we can all agree, professional marketing craft beer is newer to the field. A lot of the, the big players have it, but it's not built into the culture. A lot of founder operators tend to have natural marketing ability because they're created, they're babies, and they can talk about them. But eventually you hit this point where you know you need to professionalize it as you grow. 
And that's that's where they were at on this this brand especially. So we did a, a major introspective project, really dug into the heart of the brand and found out, you know, they had accidentally created this great DNA, this great positioning where people expected experimentation, fun, uh, education, and a sense of community from this brand. Those are our four core attributes we discovered. Leaned into those, designed the packaging. We worked with uh, Anthem Branding out in Colorado and our internal designers to create the whole scheme. Really leaned into some of the architecture they had built over the past couple of years of experimenting. And then you know what we thought we could do to carry that forward into the next year designed absolutely everything top to bottom over uh, every can label structure sell sheet point of sale got everything going had a budget set up a marketing plan heavily focused on experience and that's that's where it begins to turn um january 17th we launched the brand with a huge party at the at the barrel room you know unbeknownst to us would be one of our last events but uh, massive, massive relaunch with food pairing, our new core beers, all of the graphics present, uh, brought you know, a lot of people out for it. It was a major, major win for us to reintroduce the brand. And we filmed uh, basically an expose on the brand live at the Bower Room to then produce into a video for later, which has still yet to see the light of day because it's so toned up at the moment. Uh, you talk about misses or changes that that was edited and, and ready to go around that same March 12th, 13th, when we were starting to question things here for Sirius and, uh, you know, showing a video of a bunch of people eating and drinking together in a barrel room that's about to close. <laughs> Didn't feel good. Um, yeah, no, sounds terrifying right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that that video has still yet to see the light of day. I, I hope some someday it will. But we, you know, we had launched with a heavy sampling plan. Uh, draft to lead the way because as we know that that mechanism still works for trial uh, and we we had some uh, venue sponsorship deals to put it in the music community we had a deal with spartan to bring it to the races <laughs> everything that didn't happen basically um all of it deleted you know before the first quarter was out just gone so we launched january 17th five weeks later delete the whole plan uh, shut the barrel room down completely for the still shut down and, you know, try to figure it out. So luckily uh, I was able to keep my team intact. The, the brothers around the company did a phenomenal job reorganizing the company to keep as many people employed as much as possible. Uh, they take this stuff so seriously and, you know, they gave us every opportunity to, to hang in there. Um, can really appreciate that, but it, it, it got my, my whole team from day one. Okay start from scratch, delete everything. We still care about the same things. How can we talk about them? Music, big, easy one. You know, we, we had this playlist project we were already working on with Spotify that inspires one of our beer series. So we're like, well, let's do more Spotify. See if people engage in that. We started creating playlists that captured our personal moods. Uh, my all-time favorite, uh, so there was a cleaning playlist, there was a, a cooking playlist, but my favorite one, about five weeks into it, we're like, What's that feeling you get when you walk around the street and you don't care anymore and you get a beer in your hand and everyone's locked inside and on full lockdown, you're taking your dog for a walk and you're not supposed to have a beer out in public, but you just don't care anymore. That's this playlist. <laughs> just capturing real moods, putting it out there and seeing how people interact. We just kept doing that over and over and over and over again. We created uh, 
a live session on Springdale eight weeks in a row, uh, mostly local artists, but we grabbed a few from, from external as well to come share an hour with us, play some music. We raised funds for charity through that. Uh, I mentioned before this doing uh, tastings and live events. We, hey, you know, pull the barriers down. We're gonna talk to our fans, take it to Instagram live, uh, start recording things and sharing it with the world. We did countless tastings from the room I'm standing in now and in different parts of my house. Uh, and, and, you know, digging into email marketing as well and trying to offer some unique things there. Uh, the, the big thing, 100% was, our, the numbers aren't gonna look like we hoped, but the fans are still out there. We still have to find them. We still wanna talk to them. We wanna tell them what we're all about. And we did that through beer innovation and just finding digital ways to dive into the same communities that we were going to do in real life. It's an amazing story and incredible work. It's the perfect segue to remind people that this Monday, March 15th is the final deadline. If you are going to compete in the craft beer marketing awards, um, get your entries in. That, you know, the whole reason that we developed the Craft Beer Marketing Awards was for exactly what you're talking about, Rob. These incredible stories and incredible folks and um, creatives and teams putting together the amazing work that has um, built up the craft beer industry to what it is today. And um, once we get all the entries in, we have 350 judges, uh, beverage professionals from all around the world they're going to start to critique the work. And that's the fun part is uh, watching um, each entry get ranked. Uh, so we invite uh, all breweries, agencies, artists, marketing partners, please uh, get your top work in. We have 34 categories recognizing all aspects of beer related marketing. And the CBMAs this year now accepts um, hard seltzer, cider, and mead. So Rob, with all of the horrible things that sort of went on in 2020 and, you know, what doesn't stop us makes us stronger, um, incredible challenges to have overcome um, and, and also prevail. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to in 2021? Oh, looking forward to not tearing my plans up every other week. Uh, that'll be great. Um, besides <laughs> that... You know, I, first going back to your your plug there for a minute. I, thank you for putting this together, and I saw them, you know, cropping up on my my screen a lot last year. And you know, I think you're you're onto something with uh, awards for for marketing and craft beer are not common, as I think you know. You saw that need, and you know, I'm ex I'm excited to be a part of that this year. Uh, genuinely, this is this is not an industry as we talked about earlier where marketing is infused into the early DNA. It was very much. Uh, you know, people getting a passion craft started and, and finding people who loved it over time. I think there was an inflection point in 2015 and turned us on to, uh, you know, having to dig a little deeper and, and do some new things, um, which is where we're at today. Uh, I'm excited this year, just it feels like a, a breath of fresh air after changing so many plans last year that I've entered with a, a legitimate plan that I, I know I can execute even if everything goes to crap again. Uh, I know in my heart come July, we're going to be looking at a very different world uh, that we haven't had for the past year. So quite frankly, I'm just looking forward to sitting on a patio with a, with a beer and a friend. That'll be, uh, that'll be perfect. We'll also 
I'm hoping to see the resurgence of some of the bigger live events. We are confident that by Oktoberfest, which is huge for Jack's Abbey, that we'll be able to host a, a major festival back at our space. It's always been a, a highlight of our year and not being able to do that last year was tough. Um, but I think what I'm also excited about is carrying forward some of the, the cool things we learned and changed from the last year. Uh, quality interactions for me uh, have gone up. I, I, I have a social media manager, but I jump in and, and do some things on our social media to learn more and, and engage our fans all the time now. And being able to do those events that are quicker and let your guard down and reach more people while not worrying about production value has, has been awesome. So we have an awesome slate of beers coming this year on Jack's Abbey side. Uh, this is derived from pandemic thinking, but it's, it's going to, I think it's going to be my favorite project of the year. It's called Loggers of the World. And we are, we, the first one is already out, but we're hosting these longer Zoom discussions with breweries from around the world. The first one was Cerveja Avos in Brazil. And the concept is to learn about what lager means to their culture, their community, why their brewery makes lager, what kind they make. And then that leads to uh, us making our own beer that's inspired by that country. The first one that came out is a corn lager featuring pineapple, guava, and passion fruit. And it's, I mean, it's just changing weather today slash tomorrow in New England, but it, it brings me straight to summer. I'm skipping the next month. So uh, that project is going to be really cool. And part of what brought it out is we can't travel and do collaborations. We can't travel and just experience other culture and learn more about lager the way we normally would. So this is an interesting way to do that and actually have a tangible good produced from it. So I'm, I'm really excited to get that project underway. The first one out is out, like I said, and we have three more coming throughout the year, every quarter. So a few things, but there's no shortage of newness, that's for sure. That's great. I think the optimism is awesome because uh, we're starting to feel it already. Uh, as things start to move back to normalcy, I think everyone will be running to their uh, local craft brewery and uh, get back to enjoying the uh, tasting room and um, sure. these awesome brewery spaces across the country. Um, what else, Jackie? I was just going to say, you know, going into 2021, I know you just mentioned um, a few exciting things. What do you feel is one of the biggest challenges to marketing craft beer as we enter sort of this next phase? Like, like one of the biggest things you think we have to hurdle over? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I think we are still going to have a little disbursement of where our customers are and how to reach them. Some are going to go right back, you know, to the bar seats and the tap rooms and the events that we're talking about. And others are, are going to be more reluctant. Uh, you're going to have to satisfy them with, with digital means. The, the competition is as high as it's ever been. And, you know, this is a, this is a very good thing. I'm glad, uh, you know, the, the horror stories going into the pandemic of the mass shutdowns haven't quite come to fruition. People have found ways to survive. And that's that's so encouraging. But on the back side of that, you know, we're coming out with just as much competition as we went in with. That that hasn't changed. And as our consumers evolve their tastes and needs, uh, you have to find creative new ways to talk to them every day. 
and we we work in a business that doesn't move all that fast to be honest uh you know we have three tiers all we control is our own tier i i can't control what the distributor the retailer does we can influence that but really all all we can do is dig in and try to understand where our consumers are what they want and how we fit into their story we're always trying to do that and i think as people evolve from phases of you know pre-pandemic life to everything being upended and totally different every week to starting to have some semblance, uh, we got to find out where people are at for the next couple of months and, and make sure we continuously meet them there and provide what we say our brand is all about. If if we can keep doing that, uh, the hardest part is honestly just finding those tools and tactics, but never losing focus on on who you are and what you're about will guide that path. And then staying flexible, you know, to, to be honest, we're optimistic about the second half of the year. And to show our optimism, I, I cordoned off, you know, half of my budget to be flexible and make those those changes as they come. I didn't want to plan out, here's the activities we're going to do for the second half, because I know it's going to change. And I think it's smarter to be aware of that, know you're going to spend the money and know, you know, how quickly you can make that call. Uh, change your mind and be adaptable to how the world is changing around you because every week we're getting different news from the state and federal government. Uh, since we're in New England, they're tiny states, so we actually deal with all of these state regulations and it's all going to change very fast, but the consumer is going to be at a different place each step of the way. So digging into where, where they are and how we can provide value to them is really going to be the biggest challenge this year. That I mean, really sums it up well. I think um, the best of us um, have evolved as a byproduct of uh, what we've just endured and should only help us as we move forward. Um, thank you, Rob, for being a guest here today and giving us great insight on these two amazing brands, uh, Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers, as well as Springdale Beer Company. And Jackie, add that to our summer list of breweries that we will be visiting. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be here. We will have a beer, Rob. I can't uh, wait. And with the last minute we have here, tell us about that amazing pizza oven. That mm -hmm. pizza looks incredible. It's, it is such a beautiful piece. Uh, when they installed it, they probably felt, everyone thought they were crazy. I mean, imported <laughs> copper pizza oven at the heart of this giant German tap room. Uh, they you firmly believe, and I think it's been the case more often than not, but when they were making these decisions, like food is the, the future of craft beer and you can't lag behind and be like, you know, here's, here's a frozen pretzel. Uh, here's mm -hmm. this or that. It's like, well, you know, food is so important to beer. And especially Jack actually has a huge passion for bread and dough. He did some projects uh, like everybody else during pandemic, of course, but um, he, he loves uh, dough and I think a lot of brewers have that because the way you know yeast and grain all interact it's it's a lot of similarities so pizza was the the natural course uh, so we could make dough from the grain and, and custom yeast and uh, you know if you're going to do a pizza oven you got to do it right make it a showstopper I mean that thing you know they, they light that uh, around 10 a.m for noon service and then it's turning out pizzas it's over nine it's 900,000 degrees typically when it's running and it's turning out pizzas every, you know, three, four minutes, which is awesome mm -hmm. for service model as well. But they're, they're so good between custom dough and, and wood fired oven. You can't beat it. And I mean, 
wings go in there, everything goes in that oven. And what, what else do you want with a beer than that type of food? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Genius. And congrats for being fearless and another amazing um, thing that we want to get up there and try out. Great, great. Thank you both for having me. Thanks for doing the awards. Uh, I appreciate you putting a spotlight on marketing for the industry. It, it really means a lot. Thanks for the support too, Rob. Yeah, yeah. awesome. And thanks for joining. Of course. Thank you both. Look forward to meeting. Take right. care. Have a good one. Bye.